I'm excited about this one. It's been a minute since we've had a guest on the show, a few episodes at least. And I always love having guests on because we get a chance to uh, understand different ways of thinking, different ways of seeing things. And uh, listen, they've always got something good and interesting to say. So today's guest is Mr. Gary Voigt. He is a real estate agent out of Langley, British Columbia. We've known Gary for ages, uh, personal connections and otherwise. And uh, it was appropriately. It was an appropriate time to get him on the show to have him talk about uh, something that we've had a lot of people ask us about lately, which is foreclosures and how does it work and how do you buy one and is it a good investment? Should you be considering it, especially in the British Columbia market? You know, obviously there are times when foreclosures are higher and lower. And in any case, we talked about everything uh, from the ups of what you need to be looking for, why you should be considering one, to the downs of why you should never ever ever consider one as well as the financing process. So with that being said, uh, again, this is a fantastic episode, one we really enjoyed and I hope you enjoy it as well. And if you enjoy it, remember to find us on Instagram at the YBR Remo Show where you'll have lots of different updates and at the Thrive Mortgage Co. Because uh, myself, Alex McFadden, my partners, Dean Lawton and Derek Williamson are the three partners and owners of Thrive Mortgage Co. And our goal is to help create wealth with our clients through real estate, better strategies and tactics, and making sure that you just get better advice, plain and simple. So whether it's your first home, second home, or you're trying to level up and buy your third or understand what to do with your portfolio, make sure to reach out to us at thrivemortgage.ca. Listen to this episode, enjoy it, and if you're loving it, make sure to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. We'd love you for it. Have a great day, guys, and we'll see you on the other side. What's up, guys? You are listening to the YBR Remo Show, where we talk all things Vancouver real estate and mortgages, take boring topics, and make them interesting. Make sure to stay tuned to listen to everything you need to know how to put cash back in your pocket, create wealth in real estate, and simplify the complicated. We're talking about something that really, honestly, hasn't been talked about for the better part of, I don't know, one or two years in any high level of detail, but it comes up a lot in conversations where people are looking for deals or they're seeing price points that maybe don't match the market, which is rare. But at the end of the day, uh, it comes up enough that we have to talk about it. And what I'm talking about today is actually foreclosures. And so realistically, uh, you know, we hear about in the industry, we hear about people talking about foreclosures uh, semi-regularly in a balanced market or a normal market because they're out there. They're banks that are obviously trying to sell properties where someone hasn't been able to make the payments. And uh, because it's something that we get asked often enough, uh, we figured we'd throw together a podcast and bring on one of our good friends and partners in real estate, uh, local Langley real estate agent, Gary Voigt, who has had a lot of experience with uh, foreclosures in the past. Gary, thanks for joining us, buddy. Thanks for having me on, guys. One of the big reasons we brought Gary on, not only does he help a lot of families sell and buy real estate uh, every single year, but he's also personally uh, been part of the transaction of a foreclosure from a sales perspective and a buyer's perspective. And so he's had the experience to kind of talk about what worked and what didn't work and what he's seen. Um, now, hey, Gary, getting right into it right off the bat, I mean, uh, this is, we can date the episode to a degree. We're in 2021 right now. We can kind of look past that. Uh, you know, what's been the, the frequency at which you've seen foreclosures in the Vancouver area over the course of the last, say, 12 to 24 months? Little to none. <clears throat> not to say there's not any. There are some. But the number of normal listings, non-foreclosures to foreclosure listings is probably higher than 99 to 1, I'd say. Um, because like we are discussing before, the, um, you know, before they go into default, they can usually 
sell the place in this market before going into the foreclosure um, process. And I think the, the key to, to that point right off the bat there is uh, it's not ultimately extremely common, but it does happen. Now, we'll, what we'll do is we'll hop a little bit into what the heck, because there's some people listening to this that actually don't understand what a foreclosure is. So, Derek, why don't we, we talk a little bit about that, talk about a foreclosure from a mortgage perspective, and, and then we can kind of get right back onto to frequency. So a lot of people um, would tie foreclosure to like a missed mortgage payment. That's where it all starts, right? It's a delinquent mortgage payment. And there's tons of different reasons for this, right? Uh, loss of employment. We saw a ton of loss of employment when COVID hit. Um, you know, sometimes people are being relocated and they can't sell their house. And now they're forced to pay, you know, multiple rent payments and mortgage payments. Um, consumer debt, right? Like we've talked about this in a ton of different podcasts. The amount of consumer debt out there is mind blowing, right? Um, business owners, if you start living based on your, your last year's revenue of your business and, and the next year is lower, like these are things that can impact your life, your budget, and that could end up in you not being able to make your mortgage payments. Um, foreclosure typically doesn't start until there's a, a few mortgage payments missed. So if you miss one, typically your bank's going to reach out to you. And believe me, the bank doesn't want to go into foreclosure right away because it's lawyers and it's time and they're working with realtors and it's just not something they want to have to deal with. So they will typically try to work through this with you. Um, sometimes it means getting a, a mortgage deferral for a couple of months while you try to catch up on your finances. Um, foreclosure will typically happen after anywhere from three to five missed mortgage payments. And the big reason is if you're not communicating with your institution, right? If you talk to them, if they call you and you talk to them and you say, Hey, I'm going through a rough patch. I might need a couple months. They will try to work with you to make that happen. Um, what we unfortunately see is, you know, people are embarrassed when that happens and they don't want to pick up the phone. They think that bank is calling to tell them that they're taking their house away, where that typically isn't the case. So a foreclosure is, again, super, super rare. And to touch on a couple stats, um, BC's default rate, so this is not foreclosure rate. This is just people missing a mortgage payment or two mortgage payments, is 0.13% of all mortgages in BC, right? Like very, very, very low. Um, Ontario is actually the has the lowest default rate in all of Canada at 0.09%, and Saskatchewan's the highest at 0.53. And even 0.53 is very, very minimal. Um, and I would say probably why you see a bit of a higher default rate in Saskatchewan is they haven't had the property value increase that BC and Ontario have, right? So back to Gary's point, you know, you're getting a really tough spot financially. Most people will just say, you know what, like I can't afford this. I'm going to move on. I'm going to sell my house. I'm going to call Gary and list my house and, and be done with it. Right. You walk away with the equity that you have in your home, maybe buy something cheaper, whatever. Um, refinancing has also been huge. Um, it's, it's interesting how many people that we might talk to every two or three years that have racked up debt just because of, you know, life is variable. They're, water pump blows their roof is leaking like all these things that you can't really budget for in an expensive society that we live in um so again with property values rising you typically have the ability to refinance and consolidate debt or sell your home before it ever goes into a foreclosure just a couple points from the legal process from the bank's perspective it is a very different legal process from province to province so how a bank goes through foreclosure how they uh, get control of your home is completely different so we'll focus on bc and bc is arguably one of the hardest provinces in the country to actually foreclose from a lender perspective they do need to give you a minimum of six months grace period to uh, get your books in order and actually sell the home and take control of the home yourself. So that's one of the big reasons why I would say the stats are low in our province. Ontario, it's which is funny, um, the le like they have the 
the best rates here. They're 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 making their mortgage payments in Ontario, but in Ontario, a lender can can take over control of your home within one month of going into foreclosure. So the legal process for a lender in Ontario is way more advantageous for the lender's perspective. But one of the biggest things that people don't realize is the bank just all they care about is getting their money back. So Derek, you mentioned they're going to rack up legal fees with their lawyers. They're going to rack up, you know, missed payments, so interest that's accumulating, and then the balance of the mortgage. That's all they want. So they're going to sell the home for, you know, a, just to get recuperate that amount of money. So that's I think that's why a lot of people think, oh, well, the, you know, maybe there's a deal in foreclosures because the bank just wants to get their minimal amount of money back. They just want to get back what's owed to them. And that's that's a really big misperception because you know, and I know Gary, you'll touch on this later on about the you know the the auction process. But from the seller's perspective, the person that's actually in foreclosure, it can be really really challenging because if the bank, if you are in a flat market, the bank's just going to get what they're owed, and then you're walking away with nothing. Where if there is a surplus over and above what the bank is owed, that will go back to that seller that's in foreclosure. Here's a quick interesting stat I just pulled up. <clears throat> so great in all of the greater Vancouver, Vancouver and Fraser Valley area, so a pretty big area, right guys? Um, there's 4,078 listings. Um, so that's in terms of detached homes, 4,078. And there's 24 foreclosures currently in all of greater Vancouver and Fraser Valley. So somebody crunch some numbers, do some quick math. That percentage is low foreclosures compared to normal listings extremely low 0.005 percent wow that's active as of today that's active as of right now on the uh, mls system so this is december of 2021 now i think a couple of key things to point out i'd love to look historically at the trends around that a couple key things to put out we're currently in a an extremely low inventory season right now. And I know our conversations are typically focused on the Vancouver area. Of course, it'd be interesting to look at the rest of Canada, but um, I think this says a lot about, you know, just generally speaking, what we talked about here from start to finish about how long it takes to go into foreclosure, how many things happen before that occurs. You know, as Derek mentioned, I mean, we've seen multiple clients look for private lending or different options in the short term so they can sell their home and it's going to sell in this market. Like it's going to sell. It's not even a question mark. Right. So, hey, Gary, why don't we why don't we talk a little bit about just the, the foreclosure process itself? Like, what does it look like? Um, you know, if someone is is uh, going through the process of selling, like, how do you get contacted? Who contacts you from the beginning of, from a real estate agent perspective? And, and what does that look like? On the selling side, when I did it, um, there was the, the actual lender reached out to me to sell it. Um, so that was from my experience. Um, and yeah. they, they actually had worked at a financial institution and I uh, had a connection with them. And um, so they, they approached me to sell this, this foreclosure that the, uh, the bank was foreclosing on. The lender directly reached out to you to, to sell the property because they're foreclosing on the actual property. Correct. What does it look like in terms of maybe you can walk us through like once you get, uh, you know, reached out to what, what, what are your next steps? What actually occurs from that timeline on and who's involved? From then we move forward with listing the property. And of course, with that, there's all kinds of stipulations that we have to attach to the listing. We attach what's called the Schedule A, and that basically um, overrules the standard terms and terms and conditions in a contract. So it's basically stating that there's no warrants and guarantees and that has to be attached with every offer on the property. So then from there, we'll move forward with the showing process. And a lot of the times these people who are getting foreclosed on aren't too happy. In the circumstance that I had, it was, you know, a little bit of a drug house, right? So um, access was very challenging and that's not uncommon for foreclosures. 
one that I'm experiencing right now, they've um, received an offer and they still haven't even been able to have viewings after I think a few months on the market. Reason being is because if somebody's in the house and they're not giving you access, you have to get what's called a writ of possession. And that kind of stuff takes time. Um, so all these kind of things are a little bit of, um, of the risks associated when purchasing a foreclosure. Um, so from there, of course, we'll get an accepted offer. Now, only the initial accepted offer is allowed to have subjects in it. So that offer cannot have warrants and guarantees. Like you can't put in that offer for a strata property. Like if a special levy is proposed before um, completion date, the seller has to pay for it. There's none of that stuff. There's no, there's no um, terms and conditions, only your subjects. Because the seller is not warranting anything, right? It's as is, where is condition. So if you're the initial offer, you get to have your subjects, you get to have your subject of financing, um, subject to reviewing Stratadoc, subject to home inspection if you like. But I always tell um, clients, you know, be aware because as the house is now, you might get an inspection, but when you take possession two months from now, the place could be absolutely destroyed. There could be no appliances left in it. There could be the pipes ripped out of the wall, the electrical ripped out of the wall. So I don't know how much of value an, uh, an uh, uh, inspection has at that point. And of course, you're not going back to the sellers for any of this because it's sold as is, where is. So mm -hmm. literally where you turn the key on possession is how you're going to take possession of that place, whatever condition it's in. Meanwhile, you have people that are in a terrible position. They're furious at life. Um, they're furious that Gary's selling their home and someone else is going to come buy it. It's their family home, whatever. Um, and they're living in there probably until the day of or before completion and they could do whatever they want. That or house, after right? completion. There's another thing yeah. to talk about because the one that I had sold, the, the people wouldn't leave. And, you know, and investors purchase it. But if you're looking to purchase for personal use, make sure you have that capital available for carrying costs if that person doesn't leave. Because then again, they have to get order a writ of possession from the courts and a bailiff and et cetera, et cetera. All this stuff takes time. It costs money. Um, but, you know, those are risks associated um, with a foreclosure as well. Once that initial offer removes their subjects, um, that accepted offer price gets disclosed to the public. So anybody who showed interest or sometimes they even put on the listing, um, you know, court date set for three weeks, accepted offer price, you know, a million dollars. So if you show up to court, um, the lawyer will have the initial offer with a deposit in hand. At that point, it's unconditional, right? Um, and then anybody else who wants to make an offer gets to make a concealed offer. So basically it has to be in an envelope um, and it has to be subject free, no terms and conditions with that schedule A attached with no warrants or guarantees. And the, the offer has to be higher than that current offer, of course, right? And generally they say make the deposit higher than the current offer as well because it's a bidding process. So anything lower, you wouldn't be doing yourself any good. And then basically from there, they, they bang them off really quickly in court. You know, they literally, the lawyer gives the, the stack of offers to the judge. The judge opens all of them, looks at price, deposit, next one, price, deposit, next one, price, deposit, and basically says, okay, this is the highest one, so-and-so, you bought the place, there you go. And, and then usually you take possession within a week or two after that. Really quick turnarounds, which is, again, poses risk with trying to get out tenants and, and financing, which is kind of the next piece that we'll touch on. But I got a question going back to when you got a call from that bank to list this property, 
do they tell you how much is owed? Like, do they tell you what the minimum that they're trying to receive from this sale? Not that I recall, no. Um, I'd have to look back at the documents, but not that I recall, no. Because, you know, they can even, um, you know, they don't have to, the court doesn't have to approve the sale. So basically these unconditional offers, they include one subject, I should have mentioned this, and it's a seller's subject to court approval. That's the only subject that can be in these offers. So the judge doesn't have to approve these offers. I've had it where you go to court before and they say, no, we're delaying this a month because these guys made a case that they're gonna be able to pay back what's owed. So perhaps if it's under the value, they won't sell it, right? So you're going in there just like a typical listing, just trying to list at current market value. Yeah, but it's completely different because you have to give the court updates of the progress, like what's been going on, the recent sales. Um, you know, if the, you think that this price is fair, you know, they, you know, they don't have to accept it. Like whoever's foreclosing on it, whether it's the, the bank or whatever, obviously if it's, if it doesn't work for them, they're not accepting this offer. And what level of communication do you have to have with the current owners, like the people that are being foreclosed on anything other than just access? Yeah, well, it de really depends on what their situation is and what their um, communication skills are like. Of course, if perhaps they're drug addicts, it's a little challenging. Like the, the client that I had, who was like chasing around a freaking kid, like trying to get all these access, trying to get access to the house, no response for two days, you know, but sometimes it's just a genuine, you know, sad story. And the person's happy to cooperate and keep their place in showing condition and they just want to move on. Um, but yeah, you, you would basically try to try to do it. I would connect with the owner to try to arrange all of these showings and accesses. And it can be challenging. I think one of the biggest issues here is a client that is has their right mindset and then somebody that is obviously dealing with drug addiction and what have you is they are in a completely different mindset where if you actually understand the process from a client's perspective that's going through foreclosure, you know if you want your house to sell in the best condition it can be because you will get that surplus of funds over and above what's owed to the bank. Or somebody that's not in their right mind is thinking like, screw these guys, this is awful. Like, And then they are the ones that are pulling all the appliances out of the, the property at the end. They are the ones that are you know gashing the the plumbing and letting the whole place flood. Like I've, I've seen that I have, I have taken over a, a helped a client finance a foreclosure and we went to get an appraisal and the, the basement was full of water. Like we've seen this happen. So it, it's just, who are you dealing with? And you never know who you're dealing with. That's like, that's part of the process, especially if you're, if you're that person going to court with a second or third offer, you are completely in the dark. Like you have no idea what's going on. At least if you're the first offer in, you could get a feel for the property. You could potentially, you know, I've visited the property, got a viewing, which is rare. I think it is pretty rare that people actually get to view these properties in, in real life person. <laughs> and most of the time it's just on, on visuals or, or sight unseen, right? Usually so they do get able a, to... a viewing, you know, I would say a lot of the time they do, but it, it is always a challenge to get access. I mean, we walked through the process pretty deeply from a sales perspective and obviously the challenges in working with some of the sellers, good, bad, or indifferent and the unique circumstances that do so. I want, to, I want to kind of dial it back and just go step-by-step -step process from a buyer standpoint in terms of like what what typically the appeal is because you probably get buyers who, who you're working with who might send you uh, these listings and they might not know that it's a foreclosure. So so maybe you could walk to us around like why people look at these, what they're looking for and, and just what is the typical appeal and then 
how do you go about the process if they want to continue on? Like, what does that look like from a buyer's perspective? Good question. And I, I get that a lot, as you'd imagine, especially in this market. Um, and the first thing that I say is, especially if it's first time home buyer, I don't think it's for you. I think you should stay away from foreclosures. In my opinion, they're best suited for investors, people with capital and people who aren't relying on it to live in as a home. Reason being is because there's a number of things that could go wrong and a lot of things that um, are you would be in the dark about. You know, so I say, hey, you know, there's 24 foreclosures in greater Vancouver, BC um, that every investor is probably going to be looking at to get a so-called deal. And there's 44,000 normal listings. What one do you think you'll have a better chance on getting, um, you know, one of these 24 or one of these 4,000, right? So the mindset is, it's a good question and everybody's curious, is that they're going to get a deal, right? Some sort of substantial deal. But the problem with that is, is a lot of the times that I see these places sell, they don't even sell for a deal. You would have been better off just buying a normal home with warrants and guarantees, with peace of mind, um, and way less of a headache with guaranteed dates, with guaranteed condition, um, all that stuff. So it's really, in my opinion, for a investor as opposed to if you're a first time home buyer, um, really, I don't recommend these for you. I mean, you could probably compare a foreclosure to someone that underlists a property, right? Like way below value. It attracts all these people that think that they're going to get the deal let alone you end up competing against 10 or 15 other people, which brings you up above market value anyways. Correct. That happens a lot, what I see. So I always say, you know, it's not necessarily going to be a good deal and you might have to dump a ton of money into it. You might have to, you know, um, wait for the completion of possessions while paying for your mortgage um, and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, if you're going to be looking at a foreclosure, make sure you have the capital um, to carry over this mortgage and carry the costs. And I always say, are you prepared for the worst case scenario? And they're like, okay, well, what's the worst case scenario? Well, worst case scenario is, is you go to get it on possession date. The place is completely trashed. The, all the appliances are gone. The wires are ripped out of the wall. Um, there's three inches of water in the place and it's completely destroyed. Um, and the, and the seller's still there refusing to leave and you got to get a rid of possession. You can't move in for another two months. That would be worst case scenario. Are you okay with that? If they say, oh yeah, okay, if that happens, you know, we'll, we're planning on gutting the place anyway, it doesn't matter and we already have a place and we'll, if they don't need a rid of possession, then we, we, you know, we can carry the mortgage for a couple of months. And I say, okay, great, this is for you. But if they say, oh, Gary, like, you know, we don't have any money to, to do a kitchen reno or change the floors, okay, well, this is not for you. Or worst case, you don't get the financing and you can't close because it's torn apart. We'll talk about <laughs> yeah. Why don't we just talk about the process? So let's just say they are okay with it. You've got a client investor. They feel like they have the capital. Like, What's the process? Just real quickly, one, two, three. Like, What's the process next? How do they make an offer? Who do they make it to? Do they get subject, subjects or conditions not? And then what happens after that? So if you're the first initial offer, yes, you get subjects. If you're not the first initial offer, then no, you have to show up to the court date. The court date will get posted on the MLS so you can ask your realtor or sometimes they'll put it in the public remarks and you literally show up to court. Um, you have an unconditional offer. Sorry, you'll have a conditional offer subject to the court approval, but no buyer's conditions in it. So it's a cash offer. Um, you have your bank draft attached to that offer. And you have the designated dates that the uh, lender had told you beforehand. Um, you would present that in one of those um, concealed envelopes to the lawyer at court. 
and the lawyer would hold on to that until the case gets called and then he would present that offer to the judge. Just to touch on that offer process, you would not know what the other offers are. So if you're going there and there's three of you there, you'll hear, I guess you'll hear the first offer at court will be presented and then the other two or three or however many are there in an envelope, you wouldn't know what those offers are, correct? Good question. And that's correct. They're all, it's a concealed offer process. The only person that has an opportunity to revise their offer at court is the original offeree. So if you're the original offeree and you show up there and nobody else came with another offer, which is rare, then of course the court just might accept your offer as is and you've bought the place. But if you show up there and there's four other people, you have one more opportunity as the original offeree to review your offer and, re and, and submit another one. So, I mean, I think that's that's really interesting to explain that because a lot of people don't understand the blind bidding offer uh, standpoint. I, I think I could probably cross-reference that to the market conditions and the way they are right now, but we'll stay focused on the, the foreclosure as it stands uh, right now. So, I mean, I think a lot of people, again, the biggest uh, surprise to people is this part of the process. When I explain to them from start to finish, they're, they're always surprised to hear this. So I could actually get an offer accepted, do all my due diligence, get my financing, wait for two months or three months or whatever the process takes, and then I could go there and I could just lose it because another person bid at a higher number. Like that's oh, always totally. surprising. I've heard some that are within like a thousand dollars and it's boom, that's the highest offer. Then you've been there, you spent, you know, the three weeks waiting for the court date. Again, that's why I wouldn't recommend it for somebody that's, you know, within some sort of time restraint because you wasted all this time. You go there and you get outbid by a thousand dollars and that's it. Absolutely crazy. And that's where we talk a little bit about the financing part of the process from our perspective as well. And, there's a lot of different ways that we can go through the financing standpoint, but I will say that initially the process is pretty standard. I mean, generally speaking, we first have to disclose it to the lender. This is a foreclosure, which a lot of lenders don't like in the first place. But for the most part, if they can see clear photos and clear images and, and everything looks like it's in order and there doesn't appear to be you know missing appliances or holes ripped out or anything like that, typically from a financing standpoint, it's the same process as if you were to buy a resale property. Um, and, I, and again, I have worked with clients who have purchased these properties and or bought them and seen the good and the bad of it. And in some circumstances, like you mentioned, it was just a family that, you know, had to let go of the home and, and it was a sad circumstance, but this family was able to purchase it. So again, finding a lender who's going to accept the property value, something that's in good condition, getting all of your ducks in a row, submitting the financing, confirming the lenders on board with the uh, information, and then moving forward. One of the biggest issues that occurs, and we'll talk about this in more detail here, is that is that appraisal part of the process. An appraisal component and a big part about that or a big concern there is well there's a few things first and foremost they make an offer on this property for I don't know let's just say eight hundred thousand dollars and the appraiser goes in there and verifies the value is eight hundred thousand dollars but again we know that they're gonna go to the uh, the court and they could bid nine hundred or nine fifty and so that can cause issues right away because we've appraised at a lower value the second consideration is that you've got these photos, and, and again, like you mentioned, we could have photos showing a fridge, we could have photos, photos showing uh, all these you know amenities in the house, and then again, an appraiser goes there and says, well, actually, the fridge is now gone, and the stove is gone, and all these different parts. Oh, and now there's a hole in the wall. And that can cause some other uh, issues and levels for concern, which is one of the reasons that a lot of lenders don't actually like foreclosures. Yeah. And I mean, on that note, let alone like hoping the appraiser can get into the property, right? If you have a terrible tenant or owner in that property and they want to lock the door and the appraiser can't get in, that is going to completely void your financing. Um, we had a client asking about a foreclosure last week in Chilliwack. He thought he was going to get a good deal. 
he could renovate it because he wanted to renovate the property he's going to buy it anyways this place was torn apart the the floors were half ripped up there was half drywall throughout the property it looked like there was mold um, so, you know, we took a two second look at this listing and we just knew that there's no lender out there where that was going to offer financing outside of maybe a private lender with a substantial, like I'm talking 40, 50% down payment. And you would have to prove you have access to the capital to renovate that property afterwards. Um, your typical banks and credit unions, they wouldn't get involved in something like that, even if they, even if your plan was to renovate, because there's nothing, there's nothing forcing you to renovate that property. Right, we could prove that you have the hundred thousand dollars to renovate it, but there's nothing holding you to actually putting the work into that property and making it livable, habitable, and above average condition. Um, within an appraisal, they will always make a comment on the condition of the property, and if it ever comes back below average, and this this could be a standard home, but it's just not in great shape, you know, exterior, interior. If it comes back below average, we will have banks and credit unions decline applications completely. We're currently financing a foreclosure right now, and. In this case, it was in a different province. The market is not competitive where they are at and they were the only offer. So they had a pretty substantial two week subject to, to financing period of time. And during this subject period, the it, the basement was flooded. Like the whoever was living there, I guess it was a tenant, uh, had left and um, destroyed the house. And in this situation, because we have subjects, the seller is uh, the Bank of Montreal and they are fixing all of the issues. So the appraisal, appraiser went in there and, and hey, you know, this is what's going on. And BMO has now agreed to fix everything um, prior to subjects being removed. So there are it, this is, there is a lot of negative here. There's a lot of negative, you know, things that you need to be aware of. But on the flip side, in a, in a balanced market, you, you may be able to make this work for you. And, and sellers are sellers, you know, whether they're the bank or, or CMHC, the, the insurer, like they, they wanna make sure this transaction moves on and they get their investment back so in, in a normal market uh, you can still work with them like any normal seller and they'll they'll agree to work back with you i think just to recap some of the, the good points to recap some of the main issues that you have to look out for from the financing standpoint subject free unless you're the very first offer outside of that you are going subject free in a property and we're not aware of conditions so there's obviously risk in that there's risk in going subject free on a perfect brand new home right? Like things can go wrong. You could lose your job next week. So you have to take that into consideration. Um, property condition, like we talked about short turnaround times as well, right? So if you're not that first offer and you're going to court tomorrow with a subject free offer and deposit in hand, and you have to close seven, 10 days later, there's not that many banks that are actually going to pick up your file, review it, process an approval, get an appraisal done and close in that short of a timeline. So you really have to get some backup financing in place. Um, I would never recommend that someone goes subject free on any type of property, especially a foreclosure, if you're doing less than 20% down an insured mortgage, because as much as there are 50 different mortgage lenders in Canada, there's three insurers. And if those three insurers won't touch that property, you're hooped. You don't have options to close. Um, and having private financing as a backup in case you know, the house is ripped apart is super important because a private lender is going to be a lot more open-minded to the situation. It's expensive. It's not pretty, but it's a band-aid solution if something went wrong. And for private lending, you're typically going to need bare minimum 25% down, even more if the property is beat up. Yeah, I really hit the nail on the head uh, with every single point there, Derek, from, from that standpoint. Um, and just to be, I want to be ultra clear. I want to repeat a couple of those points back because the reality is, is even as Gary mentioned, a lot of the people who talk about these properties or bring them out often are first time buyers because they just don't know. 
Um, and they just don't, aren't aware of the process, which is why we do these podcasts, why we educate people, why we share this information. And a lot of those people are buying homes with 5% down or minimum down payment or 10% down or that sort of thing. And like Derek mentioned, like we've seen this before, whether it's, uh, the insurer not wanting to touch the property because there's no appliances or because it's in bad condition or a variety of other reasons, uh, no backup plan is not a good idea. We highly recommend against it. Could it be done? Sure. But lots of things can be done. The risk levels are just so extreme and so high from that standpoint. So, I mean, I think at this point right now, just, just talking about it from an investment standpoint would be kind of a key consideration here. Just like maybe we could touch on that uh, and maybe the success stories of foreclosures and potential success stories and where it could or would work out. I mean, Gary, you mentioned that investor consideration is somewhere where you would say, okay, well, this this could be worth it. Like where, where have you seen wins from that standpoint? When they take possession of the property and it's in decent shape still, I would say that's a win, especially for an investor, because um, that means the less work that they have to do in order to, a lot of the times they're doing it as either a hold or a flip. So it, it would mean less work for them um, in order to get achieve their goals of what they're after. Um, but also with the market, the way it has been, I would say, you know, all of them have been wins recently because the market's appreciated so much that um, basically, if you're buying any sort of real estate, it's a, it's a win. Have you personally helped a client purchase a foreclosure and all has gone well, smooth, no major issues? No, um, it's been challenging in court because uh, like I said, um, when there's a number of offers and you've made it that far, a lot of people are like, okay, I'll go this much more. I'll go this much more because they've already gone through that whole time. So um, it hasn't necessarily been a win, in my opinion, on that aspect. Um, but I have followed it on my own listing um, with the buyers as well, just because it's been such a crapshoot. Um, so we've been trying to cooperate with each other to try to make it happen. And of course, in that situation, we showed up to the property. There was about a foot of garbage on the first floor um, that you had to walk on. And there was about um, six to seven squatters in the house. Um, at that point, the realtor had asked me uh, to help him out, which I, I asked, I talked to the lawyer about, and um, it's basically in their boat now. <laughs> um, so it uh, was that a win? Not at the time, no, for that buyer. But, you know, since then, there's been substantial appreciation. So, so you've been a realtor for I don't know how long, going on 30 years, I guess doing lots of deals, working with tons of clients. And like, I don't know, it just goes to show, right? You've probably seen a million scenarios, a ton of people asking about foreclosures and personally haven't seen one from the buyer side go through smoothly where they've, you know, come out ahead. So I think that is just kind of wrapping up this whole conversation that uh, it's nothing that you shouldn't inquire about because there could be deals out there, but probably not something to, uh, to focus too hard on. It's a great question and I'm always happy to answer it because um, everybody is curious about it, but I generally tend to steer people away from foreclosures unless you're a really seasoned investor and you really, that's really the route you want to go. But generally, I'll stare everybody away, steer everyone away from them because there's so many other options usually out there. So many other options with warrants and guarantees that would just fit their situation a lot better. Yeah, I think that sums up really good, Gary. And I really appreciate obviously sharing your insight on this. It's uh, it's really helpful uh, to hear from someone who's not only been there and done it, but also works with a lot of different buyers in different circumstances. Since we know that you've worked a lot with first-time buyers, with investors, and with a lot of people there, so. Hey, listeners of the show here, guys, like uh, we want to just suggest that whoever you pick to represent you in real estate should be someone professional who understands the ins and outs of the different parts of the market. 
so definitely, if you're if you're uh, considering uh, working with someone and you have questions about this, Gary, I'm sure would be happy to help. Reach out to him. We'll put the information in the show notes, and and uh, of course, contact him if you have any questions about this or anything else real estate related. Uh, Gary, really appreciate you coming on today, man. Thanks so much for for joining us. Uh, any any I guess parting notes or words in regards to you know just generally speaking foreclosures, what people need to know, uh, market conditions, anything you want to leave people with today. We're in a challenging market right now for buyers. Everybody probably knows that in the greater Vancouver and Fraser Valley area. Um, I have had a lot of success with buyers recently and reason being is you have to do majority of your due diligence beforehand. Um, that's not saying go subject free on every single offer, but there's a lot of those subjects that you're able to, if you're prepared and you put the work in beforehand to do the due diligence beforehand. Um, so we've had great success with that. Um, if you are looking to purchase, let me know and I can walk you through that. Or if you're currently working with a realtor, you know, talk to them about uh, reviewing the insurance certificate beforehand, reviewing the property disclosure statement, the title, um, the strata documents, um, perhaps getting a pre-offer inspection or walkthrough done. Um, all that stuff is giving um, our buyers at least great success and giving you a better chance in this crazy market. Um, of course, talk to the boys at Thrive because they've been a great help with my clients as well um, in terms of getting all their ducks in a row for their pre-approval before making an offer. Um, and don't give up. Stay positive. Uh, it's a challenging market, but I don't think it's going anywhere uh, soon. So the biggest takeaway from me if you're looking to purchase right now um, is make sure you're organized, prepared, and have all of your ducks in a row um, beforehand, that will just make the process so much easier and enjoyable for you in this um, challenging time. Thank you so much, Gary, for joining us today. Really appreciate it, uh, my friend. And guys, as always, if you're enjoying the uh, episodes here, make sure to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Follow along at the YBR Remo Show at Thrive Mortgage Co. on Instagram and send us a message if you want to work with the guys here at Thrive. Talk to you all soon.